Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and today I am not with education editor Tom Tobin, who is on vacation. So I will be guiding us through a shorter conversation on some of the things happening this week. Then I'll be joined by Hillsborough County education reporter Marlene Sokol, who will be talking with me about turnaround schools with particular attention that she's been paying to one school in Tampa. So now let's talk about what's going on this week in the legislature. First, let's talk about testing. The Senate Education Committee held a workshop the other day in which several bills were discussed that would aim to do a variety of different things regarding testing. Everything from eliminating the retention, the automatic retention of third graders who don't pass their third grade reading test, to a rollback of several end-of-course exams. The bill that was favored mostly by members of the public was one filed by Senator Montford. That would be Senate Bill 964. But the one that was supported by Jeb Bush's foundation was Senate Bill 926, which is promoted by Senator Flores. There was some speculation early on as to what was going to happen with those two bills since they don't seem to be exactly companions. They, they would try and do some of the same things, but not all of the same things. And, and a lot of people were under the impression that some sort of compromise would have to take place. We checked out the agenda for next week's Education Committee, and Senator Flores' bill is on the agenda. Senator Montford's bill is not. I spoke with Senator Montford to ask him if he had any idea of what that meant, and he said he was still checking into it and would let us know later on. I haven't heard back from him since, but we, ch- we went to Facebook and we, we mentioned that this bill was out there, and a lot of people were starting to already speculate what would happen next if the bill, as the bills move forward? One of the things that we noticed was that that Sean Frost of the Florida Coalition for School Board Members, which is a conservative breakaway group from the Florida School Boards Association, stepped forward to say that he did, in fact, support a lot of the ideas that were in Senator Montford's bill, such as a move to the paper and pencil testing, as well as the immediate use of concordant scores on the ACT and SAT scores to replace the 10th grade FSA scores, which is currently allowed only after you don't pass that 10th grade test. So there's a possibility, there's a hint there, that perhaps some of the ideas of Senator Montford's bill will be amended onto Senator Flores' bill. We'll just have to watch and wait and see what happens with that one. Some of the other bills that are not being brought forward include Senator Rodriguez's bill on third grade retention, which is another thing that was supported by some of the parents who stepped forward at that committee hearing. Other issues that came up this week included the very fast movement of the Religious Expression in Public Schools bill. The House passed an amended version that was really scaled back, talking mostly about religion in, in your jewelry and, and, and some ways that you can express yourself. The Senate ex- passed a much more comprehensive version that a lot of people have raised questions about its constitutionality. The Senate version passed the full Senate on Thursday. The House bill went to the Senate, to the House floor after being approved by the Education Committee also on Thursday. They do not agree anymore. And so it will be interesting to see what happens with those bills, if they they can compromise or if they just simply put that bill to rest. Class size also 
continued to move forward very quickly. The bill put forth by, by Representative Masulo in the House passed its final committee stop, and that would basically do away with penalties at the classroom count level. There have been a lot of comments on our Facebook page, which is Tampa Bay Times Gradebook, after we put forward that this bill was moving. People are just kind of frustrated with the whole idea that the constitutional amendment that voters put in place in 2002 and have affirmed and reaffirmed continues to be under siege by lawmakers. They, they want their class sizes to remain as they are, and now the House has moved this bill to the floor with one amendment, and that only amendment would be that for classrooms that are not in compliance, school districts would have to post on their website that they were not and any sort of plan they have to make them be in compliance. But the general effect will be that we go to school-wide averages for class size, which is not what the class size amendment says. The class size bill also got a hearing in the Senate Education Committee this week and walked away without any opposition and almost no debate. One other bill that I think is worthy of note is one that has a lot of attention in Pinellas and Pasco counties and across the state because of what it would do for teachers on annual contract. Florida has not allowed teachers to have continuing contracts since 2011, meaning that they're always at-will employees. Every year they can be non-renewed or renewed based on the will of their employers. Well, several districts, including Pinellas, have offered those teachers contract guarantees for another year if they get an effective or highly effective teacher evaluation rating. The Pasco County School District is among those that have basically said, no way, we're not going to do that. That's not what the legislature intended when they said we have to adopt annual contracts. This year, Representative Michael Grant put a bill forward that would clarify on the Pasco County side of the equation, not allowing these districts to move forward with those kinds of arrangements that would offer any sort of job guarantees. In a hearing before the House Education Committee on Thursday, several teachers stood forward and even one of Republican members of the, of the committee, who is also a teacher from Orlando, to say that they thought that the idea of allowing for those annual contract renewals based on their evaluations is a good idea, that it was a way to allow the evaluations and the local control of who would be teachers to remain in place. They also really wanted to emphasize that teachers are leaving the state and leaving their jobs. We have so many teacher openings throughout the state, and by allowing to have a little more stability, some teachers might stay. However, the committee basically went with the premise that we meant annual contract and that we do not want to have these kinds of deals go forward. They approved the bill to move to the floor by a 9-5 to vote. The Senate has an identical bill in its hands, but it has not been heard by any of its committees of reference. We'll be watching these bills and several others as they move forward, and we'll bring more details and more conversation with you. Please go to our Facebook page and comment on these or any other issues. We'd love to hear what you think about it, and you already have done that on class size and teacher contracts and all the others. We're really happy to have you there. Facebook page is Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. Now I'd like to bring in Marlene Sokol, who's going to talk with us about her teacher turnaround or her school turnaround story at Potter Elementary School. So Marlene, this is your first time on the podcast and we are so glad to have you here. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here as well. Well, you should be here more often because you cover so much in our school systems. And today we're going to be talking about Hillsborough County Schools and, and turnaround schools. 
Now, um, you focused on Potter Elementary recently, so why don't you just bring everybody up to speed on to exactly what's going on at Potter and why you focused on them? Okay, no, good question. Um, first, I'm going to throw out some numbers to put it into context. Um, Potter is one of many schools in Hillsborough County where the kids need more help to learn how to read, to, to, to put it politely. Um, to put it less politely, we have 40 of the worst elementary schools in Florida, according to reading test scores. Um, and that's off a list of only 312 schools. 40 of them are in Hillsborough County, 38 are district run, and two are charter, which is a number that's way out of proportion to other large school districts, including Pinellas, despite all the attention paid to the failure factories. Um, it's a higher number than Miami-Dade, which is larger and, and more urban. Um, so Jeff Aikens, the superintendent, recognizing, you know, that we had pockets of, of poverty where, where people, were, frankly, were not learning how to read, um, he recognized two years ago that we can't fix all of the schools. You know, it's not practical. We can't fix them right away. But let's focus on a very small group and see if we can really make a difference. Um, this group was at first called Priority Schools, then the name was changed to Elevate Schools. But um, Potter was one of the seven that were chosen, with the idea being that the district would really bring in resources from outside, corporations, nonprofits, charities, and then systematically, using research, look at all the barriers that these children faced, um, whether it was barriers in their home life, whether it was a lack of quality preschool, whether it was the fact that because of poverty they were moving around from home to home, and really try and address those barriers, you know, attack those barriers, and give the kids a better shot at a good education. Was this something that they were going to be then using as a model? Exactly. In fact, the hope was that if it was successful, it would be a national model. Um, the hope was also that as the schools in this group improved, they would come off the prior priority school list to be replaced by others. Um, so th there were a lot of very ambitious plans at the beginning. Um, now, over the past two years, and, and getting back to the question of why Potter, Potter is in its fourth year as an F school. Um, more than half the kids in Potter are reading at, lev at level one, which means th their reading skills are very poor. And by the state definition, they need intervention in order to be able to read on grade level. So Potter is widely acknowledged to be in the most need of help. Um, and then as I followed the process along this year, I noticed that um, about half the, the teachers at Potter were either in their first year of teaching or in their first year with the school district. So it seemed like despite all of the, the assurances, there was a disproportionate number of teachers at Potter who did not have a lot of experience. Um, is that something that is unusual for those types of schools? Um, it's not unusual. Um, the, you know, new teachers tend to fall into schools that have less advantages. And, and the reason for that, it's not deliberate, but teachers who have five years in, 10 years in, they tend to live in the suburbs and they want to be close to their own children, their own home. So, you know, that's something that's endemic throughout education. So, no, it's not unusual that a school in a high-poverty urban area would wind up with a lot of beginning teachers. 
However, you know, the idea of priority schools, which are now called Elevate Schools, was that the school district would eliminate these barriers and overcome these, you know, these obstacles. So, no, while it's not unusual, it's really contrary to what the hope was, which was that Potter and the other six in the group would be really great schools, offering kids all the advantages that you get if you live in a place like West Chase or Fishhawk Ranch. So then you found that in addition to not having all of the things happen with teachers, that there were other problems as well. The school was just not making progress. Well, and, and the grades will determine that, the FSA scores will determine that. But what I found just talking to teachers and looking at the turnover of teachers was that there was a lot of turnover. Um, at last count, um, I used the number 16 in the story. Um, it's actually closer to 18. There, there was one teacher who was transferred there and, and never even set foot in the school and another who was, um, they call it redeployed. She was one of the elite, you know, resource teachers whose jobs were eliminated. 140 of them were told to find school vacancies. She landed in a second grade class situation at Potter, and that did not work out, so she's no longer teaching there. So the, there was the turnover, and when I spoke to teachers who had left, their stories were pretty consistent. They said, number one, behavior was an issue. Um, it, you know, they, they were greeted with behaviors that, you know, they weren't used to and didn't know how to respond to. And the other problem for some of the teachers was that they did not have enough experience or the right type of experience to know how to be effective in those classrooms. And what you get at that point is a little bit of a snowball effect. Um, second grade, I believe, was was hit the most dramatically by this. So a teacher leaves, they are replaced by either a substitute teacher or maybe the class is split up for a couple of days. But then the children feel abandoned and then the behavior becomes worse. So you get almost a, a cycle of events happening. How are the teachers willing to speak to you? Because aren't they still working for the district? Well, the teachers who spoke to me, and, and I got some criticism for this, were former teachers, teachers who left. I mean, I cold called them. Now, I did speak with um, a teacher who was introduced to me by the school, um, Ms. Fox, um, who's wonderful. And she was one of the new teachers, brand new and she's doing a fabulous job. And so, you know, it varies. Uh, I mean, yeah, but people who still work for the school district, no, you know, they can't speak freely, but the ones who spoke to me, they had nothing to lose. I mean, they didn't just leave Potter, they left the school district. Um, one of them is now home taking care of her young child. Um, one is job hunting, another one is on a contract job in Pasco County, another one is in Pinellas teaching, you know, in, in not in the public school, but in a different setting. So, yeah, they had nothing to lose. And, and, they, and, and some of them spoke off the record and some spoke on the record. The, the, the number of teachers who I interviewed was quite a bit larger than the people who were quoted in, in the paper. Now, the district got pretty defensive about the story. And I remember sitting at my home, my son goes to Hillsborough County Schools, and I got an email from the superintendent to my personal email account from the superintendent saying, here's what's going on at Potter. Were you surprised by that reaction? Um, you know, I've had a lot of time to reflect about it, and, and I'm trying to be objective about it and not take it too personally. Um, 
I respect the superintendent and I think I understand his impulse to number one, to want to rally behind a good principal. And by the way, Melanie Hill, by everything I've observed and heard, is an excellent principal. Um, I took notice of the fact that this was her first year as principal, which I still think, you know, that's a risk when you hire a first year principal. But but she has all the attributes of a very good principal. So Mr. Akins wants to very publicly show his support to her and to the other teachers at Potter. I applaud him for that. I respect him for that. Now, the way that message was disseminated, I would say carpet bombing, you know, the entire school district with it, I I think that may have been overkill. Um, I I honestly, as a journalist, when I see something like that, I see government, you know, the school district is government, basically sending a very loud message that, you know, you don't have to get your news from the media. We're going to tell you the story in our way. And, and we can, and we have your email address, and here it is. So the method struck me as overkill. The message, I don't have a problem with the message. He clearly feels that my story was unfair. He clearly feels that it was too negative. Um, he clearly feels that I did not give enough attention to the positive things that they are doing to to try and and build up the schools in these communities you know i can't argue with that you you know that's that's how he feels and in sending out this letter he's doing what he believes is in the best interest of the school and the community and the children so mixed feelings on that one but the story will continue from your perspective because there's still more to be said right Absolutely. Um, I'm very interested in all seven Elevate schools. I'm interested in the process and, you know, going forward, uh, of course, the response has become part of the story. Uh, I'm interested in what happens in East Tampa. You know, East Tampa for a long time has had a legacy of, of children not getting the education that they need. And and there's a lot of blame to go around. People will say, well, what about the parents' responsibility? And what about poverty? And again, those barriers that come with poverty, such as children moving from place to place to place. The bottom line is when you get large numbers of children who leave Potter and cannot read on grade level, and, and that's been documented, and then they go on to middle school and they're already behind. And so that determines the graduation rate, but that also determines for children in East Tampa, what kind of future are they going to have? You know, what type of jobs, what type of post-secondary education? So, yes, I'm going to continue to follow it very closely and very critically. Okay. Well, thank you so much for finally coming in on the Gradebook Podcast, and we are going to have you back more. Okay. I look forward to it, Jeff. That's the end of the podcast. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to have a conversation with us on our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook, and always be sure to visit us on the blog for the latest news at tampabay.com slash gradebook. 